0: The boys are The boys The boys the Triangle Podcast, Couch Guy Sports. Big Al over there. Hi. Hi again. I'm Jared scally Liam Smith behind the glass. I love saying that out loud. New producer of the show as of last week. If you don't know who that is, that means you didn't listen to last week's episode. Go listen to it. You can do it on iTunes. Subscribe, rate and review all that good stuff on the website, couchguysports.com, Spotify. Um, just, just go listen to it if you didn't. Liam's a good dude. We're here. Um, I'm going to give him a Game of Thrones minute later on in the show because he's that annoyed by it. Neither of us watch it except for him.
1: Music doesn't like
0: like I don't have a chub in my pants hearing that music like a lot of people do. Liam might be getting going behind the scenes over there, but we'll let him be for a few minutes. I think a reason.
2: He's a little angry.
1: He's a angry with us. I can tell in his voice. He's very angry. A little bit so I rate right now. It's, it's Calm down, up. Liam.
2: It's pent up emotion. We'll it's, let it disappointment. Out of it's disappointment. It's
0: <laughs>
1: disappointment. No, 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 no. That's a tease. That's a tease for the last part of the show.
0: And that'll be. We're gonna we're gonna just have an outro to him blasting a minute of annoyance, and maybe he'll put Titanic music behind it. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see how the uh, producer decides to make his own minute. But a lot to talk about socks wise. Um, I have a Twitter. I have a Twitter question for Big Al. Could a question I teased on Twitter anyway? involves the ice horse himself michael chavis Uh, all right i'm all scared chris sales a topic of discussion of course like he is every week um and then i want to look into the schedule a little bit plus some uh one hitter news uh an old friend r.i.p we'll just leave it at that for a little bit and we'll we'll, we'll talk about him a little later in the show as well um let's start with chris sale before we get to michael chavis because that's where everyone wants to start we're not going to start there
1: no, 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 no. We start with something different. Chris Michael Javis will come. Chris Sale, my dinky.
0: Chris Sale. Um, so there are reports out there. Let's start here, too. That apparently he was dealing with a toe injury at the beginning of the season, and that's why he was struggling. Before I go into the easy back question, one, do you believe those reports? Or are they just using this as a smokescreen to give him an excuse?
1: That has to be a smokescreen. I mean, you're really telling me that a toe injury, unless it's like a broken toe and he physically can't plant either. I, so, which foot did they say it was? Was there any specificity I just or specifics with that? Okay, so it's just toe. They didn't say which foot it was on. But if it's on his plant foot and it's broken, then that's one thing. But I don't think this is, I think there's nothing to this. I think they just wanted to find something to put out there to say it didn't they're actually be able to not say Chris Sale stunk in the first month of the season and obviously like Xander Bogart's Jared's binky Chris Sale's my binky I love Chris Sale I loved him when he was on the White Sox but it, he stunk in the first month so why are you coming out with this fake report I don't understand it I do understand it but it's also stupid
0: at least my binky's having a good year
1: hey my binky's on the comeback you watch it now
0: you look at the way Chris Sale's pitched lately I'm safe to say he's back, and that's a discussion we can have in a second. But you look at what this toe injury is. I don't know if I necessarily believe it. I would have just been happier if they just said, yeah, it was his elbow. It was flaring up. He wasn't doing great. Like, we took care of it, he's managed, and now it's figured out what he's fine. I think it all just goes back to spring training. They, they mismanaged the entire pitching staff. They didn't get him ready for the spring training. Half of them didn't even start pitching until halfway through spring training. So realistically, I just don't think they were ready for the season, and now they're putting this toe injury out there. I'll play devil's advocate for a second. If he actually did have a toe injury, of course it's the reason why he sucked. Like, if he legit have a toe injury, like, if you are a pitcher, if you've ever pitched at all in the past, and I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I pitched 20 years ago when I was in high school, so I know what Chris Sale's going through. No, I did not
1: uh, Jared, do. that is a false statement. You would have been about eight years old. But continue. I was,
0: Hey, I was a stud t baller.
1: A stud t baller? What did you do? Did you hit the ball past the pitcher's mouth?
0: Yeah, and actually one time, great story, bases were loaded. I was, on, I was the de facto pitcher, meaning the coach just stood there and threw the ball. And you, had, you just stood there in the pitcher's position. Game on the line, dude hit a line drive off the tee back to me, caught it, dropped the mic, game one. So, yeah, I was a stud in T-ball. Get over oh, it. Oh, um, um, God. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Sale probably also was a stud in T-ball. Of course, if you're pitching and you have a toe injury, especially if it's the one that you're pushing off the rubber with, it's going to be tough to either plan or push if your toe does ha- have some issues. So I get why it might cause him some issues. Now, overall, it shouldn't have been as bad as it was if with a toe injury, so I, I'm not giving him slack if it did exist. But overall, if the toe injury is real, again, don't believe that, then it ha- you have to have a little bit of leeway with him. But I, I would have rather just have them come out and say, like, yeah, you know, his elbow was fine. It's better now. Like, that was the problem.
1: Well, the thing is, too, is that we all know that Chris Sale is a man of accountability. He takes account of what's been going on. He literally came out after, I think it was his fifth start, and said, I suck. I've let my, so far, I've let my family down, like the organization, everything. But then all of a sudden, since then, and since this toe has been fixed, as I say it in air quotes, and all of a sudden he's going back to the Chris Sale vault. So it's like, where is the line drawn right here?
0: I don't know, because like you said, too, like you would believe if Chris Chris Sale this entire time just saying, you know, I suck. I got to be better. Like it's it's, it's he, essentially it was it's fucking embarrassing and I got to pitch like I know how to pitch. And that's what he was preaching. So now to have the toe injury come out, it almost makes me not believe even more because now it's like the team's covering for him. But Chris Sale would have been. Wasn't making any excuses. He said he sucked. He said he had to figure it out. There was no hint or whisper of a toe injury until now. When he was, of course, pitching better, so now it doesn't even matter. And if he had a toe injury or not, people who are aggressive will won't believe him. But people who are like the ninety-eight percent of the fan base will go, "Oh, it's okay, Chris was just hurt. It's fine."
1: Well, put it this way, Jared. I got a little stat for you. Okay.
0: Oh God, I just
1: hate stats. I know you do. But it's a stat that's going to be in my favor. So.
0: Use your eyes, Big Al. Use
1: your eyes. <laughs> oh, I've used my eyes, and I've used my brain, whatever's in there. But I've used it. In the last 12 and the third innings, which is his last two starts, first one against the Rockies, who obviously have made the NL wild card pretty much every year. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the Houston Astros, who I don't know if you know this, Jared, but the Houston Astros won a World Series a couple years ago. And they made it back to the ALCS last year, only to be defeated by the Red Sox. But that's another story. How many strikeouts does Chris Sale have in 12 and a third innings, Jared? Give me the stat. 27 strikeouts in 12 and a third innings.
0: Aggressive.
1: That, that means 37 outs, 27 of those are punch outs. And you're telling me this guy's not back? I'm not saying you. I'm just saying in general. You're telling me this guy isn't back? He's not back to dominating and being the Chris Sale That'll blow you away with his fastball and make you look silly on his slider.
0: He had 17 in one game.
1: That was the Rockies game. Seven innings. I think he's the first pitcher in MLB history to throw seven innings and get 17 strikeouts out of 21 outs.
0: We're talking about that game. Were you mad that they took him out?
1: No, no. He did his job. He pitched seven innings. He gave up two runs. You tell me every time that Chris sale is going to give you seven innings and give up two runs. I take that every single time. Save, save some bullets for October because the Red Sox are going to make it back to October. I don't care what anybody says. They're going to make it back to October. Save the bullets. Let your bullpen take care of it. If you can't have Matt Barnes, Marcus Walden, Ryan Brazier take care of it, then shame on you. Then shame on that bullpen.
0: Red Sox 2018 wild card champions. 2019.
1: Uh, I was about I was about to say. I was about to say if you were paying attention, you yeah. didn't lean in fast 20,
0: enough. So I was going to crack
1: myself. 20, 2018, they did something else, Jared. They did something a little bigger than that. They uh they
0: they they, they lifted a trophy in twenty eighteen. Uh, the, the Watermaker? maker? No, the World Series. World Series trophy.
1: The world. Uh, the World Series, Jared. Uh, round of applause for Jared Scowley. Round of applause for figuring that out. I'm proud, of, I'm proud. of you, Jared.
0: Mom, good at what I do. Talk to Mom, he. Ma-
1: Mom, he figured it out. Mom. Ma! World Series! Ma, the Red Sox won it all!
0: Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf?
1: We have we have too much fun on this show.
0: (laughs) Chris Sale is back. I'm not mad they took him out because I agree with you. Like they said over and over again, we're figuring out how to make him better long term. And look at last year, he barely pitched at the end of the season because he wasn't uh, in shape. He couldn't figure it out. He wasn't there enough to pitch. You don't risk a team that is looking to win back-to-back World Series for an extra three strikeouts in one game. The people who were mad about that were simply people who were just like, I want to be there to see Chris Sale throw 20 strikeouts. Why didn't you leave him in? Because it wasn't smart.
1: Um, would you rather see a 20 strikeout game or would you rather see another World Series title at the end of the season because Chris Sale is able to go deep in
0: October? The people tell who were in that stadium, probably the 20 strikeout game. I wanted to tell my grandkids when eventually I'm old enough to have grandkids that I was at that Chris Sale 20 strikeout game in person. I wanted that. And you ruined it, Alex Cora. You ruined it.
1: Then go to the baseball tavern and whine about it there after the game.
0: Don't don't be hating the baseball tavern. I love the baseball tavern. No, no, no. I'm
1: not hating the baseball tavern. I'm hating the people that complain about it that go to the baseball
0: tavern. Shout out to the baseball tavern. Baseball
1: tavern. Great place.
0: Um, Okay. Chris Sale. Back. Toe injury. Probably fake. Sums up segment number one. Michael Chavis. Uh, it's just a stupid specimen, first of all. Can we just talk
1: about this? He's unreal. He is just unreal.
0: Just hit his ninth homer. Stupid good. I don't think he's hit a single cheap home run. Everything's been like moonshots to Kenmore Square and then some. Like he has hit all of his home runs. I got it has to be average 400 feet. Like all of them are bombs. And all of them are no doubters. His swing is pure. He hit leadoff. Alex Cora had him hitting leadoff the other day. I know. I'm not even mad because who cares? Michael Chavis can moon bombs in the leadoff position. Great, do it.
1: How um, about how about clutch hitting, getting the walk off base hit against the Rockies the other night?
0: And then Mookie Betts just coming up and just giving him the big old man hug, like, "Yo, dude,
1: welcome to here. the show. Welcome come to the show. You're the real thing, thank you. You guy. Get yeah, over
0: here. Right here. Come here, ah, come here buddy." Hey, dude, it's been so long. Nice job, dude. Come here. Give me the real <laughs> thing. I'm bringing it for the real thing. Hey, my name's my name's Mookie. You killed it. Hey, me. I'm here, the bro.
1: AL MVP. I'm gonna lay some on you. Here, come over here, pal. Come my over My name
0: is Mookie Betts, and I approve this message. Come here, Give
1: Marcus. Lin, Marcus Lynn Betts coming at you.
0: Hey, I'm am a bowler too, but it's okay. Come here. Give <laughs> me a hug. I can throw bowling balls as well as you just hit that baseball. Nice.
1: Per- perfect game. Perfect game in bowling. Come here. Come here. All
0: right, Michael Chavis. Big question, and this is not initially an original thought. I was listening to the Sports sub the other day, and, of course, Tony Maz inspired me to, to think about this a little more. Um, Be, you
1: before, were, before you go on, the fact that you just said Tony Maz inspired you to do something, I, I'm shocked that, you, that those words came out of your mouth in that sentence. He
0: inspired me to do a lot. I interned for them. They're, 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 uh, they're good friends now. They're people of mine. So okay.
1: okay, that's fair. That's fair. Go ahead.
0: They're good people off air. Um, you, look at, <laughs> you look at what his past is people don't remember this Michael Chavis was busted for PEDs people don't remember that because they don't really know who he was until now a lot of people don't know who he was until now um, he was busted for PEDs, came back and now all of a sudden he's, no one was expecting anything from him this year and now all of a sudden he's doing this like crazy is he still on PEDs is the big question now before you answer out, before you give me your thoughts, because I'm actually curious. I don't even know how you're gonna answer. Um, as you're nodding your head, your answer to me. Um, I, you look at his situation. I, don't, I don't even care if he is on PEDs. I just want. Just can you fly under the radar? That's the first part. Can you consistently fly under the radar now? If you are on PEDs, because he already had 80 game suspension, and one more and you're done for a year, and then some. So, if he gets caught again. He's screwed with everything that the Red Sox are doing because they're planning around him now at this point. Part one of my two-part question to you, Al. One, do you believe he is on any sort of performance-enhancing drug? No. Not named Viagra? No. Help him play baseball better?
1: No. No, I do not. Next question. Okay. (laughs) I'll explain in a second. I'll explain in a second. Go ahead.
0: The second part of this is... We just talked about it. He's nuts. He's going insane. Do you keep him and build around him and believe that he can sustain this, or do you sell high? Deadline, obviously, is closing in not super fast, but we're getting to that point. we got to talk about improving the team, bullpen arm, young pitching. My big question is, would you sell high if he keeps playing like this in the deadline and deal him for what would be preferably young pitching because you have nothing in the system and use him to recoup that part of your system maybe have someone who can start now as well jump in the rotation but also if pedroia does come back right you have nunez you have brock holt rehabbing if pedroia does actually come back
1: which you won't but okay
0: what do they do do with chavis anyway right you know they're thinking this if you can sell high on michael chavis and recoup and get some young pitching in like I'm talking stud young pitching. I'm not talking any young pitching. I want like a uh, Chris Sale in the making, young prospect who's good, because we don't have that right now in the farm system. Would you consider selling high, whether you think he's on PEDs or not, would you consider selling high for young pitching?
1: So back to the first part of your question. Do I think Michael Chavis is on PEDs? No, and here's why. I want to ask you something, Jared. This is a question on top of your question.
0: Ooh, it's like inception question style.
1: Exactly. Usually when someone gets traded, let's use uh, the MLB trade deadline, for example. Do you, remember what, do you remember when uh, Eduardo Nunez got traded from the Giants to the Red Sox? I do. What did Eduardo Nunez do as soon as he came to Boston? Killed it. Yeah, he went crazy. Yep. He went absolutely crazy. Crazy, Steve Pierce. Now he wasn't an MLB. He wasn't a trade deadline guy, but he was a guy that they got free agency around what June last year, if not May, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What did he do when he first got here? Stud. Yes. My point being he won is the that World
0: series MVP. If you didn't know.
1: Yeah. I wow. You learn something new every day. Holy moly. Anyways, as far as Chavis goes, I think it's just a case similar to being an MLB trade line, trade deadline acquisition. I think it's just the adrenaline's kicking in. Obviously, he's up at the big league level now. And don't forget, too, these pitchers don't have scouting reports on him. He's not a guy that's been in the league for five years. He's not a guy that you know pitchers have tendencies that they can work to their advantage. So, Traders is-
0: You're making a case for me to trade high because if, if eventually they're going to figure him out. Go get me pitching.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to get there in a second. I'm going to get there with the second point. So, the second point, so the second question you asked me is, Would I trade high or would I keep them? To be honest with you, there's no clear-cut answer here because you really could go either way with this one because you can keep them like we've talked about. And if you haven't listened to this part of the episode where we talked about the young talent, go back and listen to those episodes. But, Jared, weren't we talking like a couple weeks ago about having Devers, Bogarts, Chavis, Tristan Cassis, or whoever else you want to insert at first base? as the young infield of the future with the Red Sox. We were, correct?
0: Yeah, we did. How about 100%?
1: Okay. Now, playing devil's advocate like you did earlier, playing devil's advocate now, you could sell high because obviously the farm system's a little bit depleted because obviously Dave Dombrowski went out and depleted the farm system, especially in the Chris Sale trade, when he traded away at least three prospects, if I remember correctly. And there are some other trades involved. I think in the Craig Kimball trade, you trade you traded away four prospects.
0: Four, four prospects.
1: Yeah. Yep, four prospects. So I could see where if he's having a hot streak and they don't think he's going to keep it up, of course you could trade for him and sell high. Of course you could get that bullpen piece that you need. Go get that starter like you were talking about. So and I'm not, and I'm not trying to be wishy-washy, but it is such a tough decision because I feel like this is fifty-fifty right down the middle.
0: Okay, spin it back to you. Another question. If you're Dave Dombrowski, say, because if he if he falls off, there's no argument, right? You don't trade him because you can't. But of if course. he continues this trend and he, he's doing this and he's the ice horse and he keeps hitting piss missiles over the Green Monster for the next couple months, what do you do? What would you rather? Would you rather keep Michael Javis and figure out the pitching later um, and, and really build that infield the way it would be and rely on him and bank on him and maybe not being on PEDs? Or would you trade for the young pitching knowing that you don't really have anything, especially when... Yeah, you have Chris Sale and David Price for a couple years, but then Rick Porcello is going to be gone. Do you trust Erod long-term? You need more pitching.
1: If I'm Dave Dombrowski right now, Jared Scali, I'm keeping Chavis, and I'm worrying about the pitching later because, like we've said before, as far as the starting pitching goes, you have four starters in Chris Sale, David Price, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Nathan Evaldi when he comes back and is healthy that you feel comfortable going forward with for the next three, four years. In your starting rotation now, I know we've been talking bullpen as well, but you have some decent young arms down there, and some decent veteran arms, obviously with Nat Barnes, Ryan Brazier, Brandon Workman, etc. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's still a guy out there named Craig Kimbrell that still needs a job that you could maybe sign for a year, and then who knows what can happen with that. But that's that's a long shot. Point being, this bullpen, this team right now is fine. Why not keep the infield together? and especially in a case where Eduardo Nunez is going to be gone. Brock Holt, loved the guy, cutest kid in the world. He's probably going to be gone. But Eduardo is pretty much out the door. So why not keep Chavis up here and have a rarity, which is a power-hitting second baseman?
0: I'm with you. I think you keep him. I, I, I do believe he's on PDs. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not in that camp. But I think he's going to figure out how to get around the tests. I'm a big PED guy in general. Like, I love – You, take,
1: you PED. take PEDs? Which PEDs do. do you take? You must admit it for the show.
0: I take ice cream cake, uh, popcorn, and k- chocolate chip cookies.
1: That – that oh, that's the PEDs you take. Yeah. Oh, um, I wonder why I you're can, looking a little swole today.
0: Occasion, occasion the, uh, the brownies. My brownie guy.
1: Yo, don't even get me started on brownies. Don't even get me started. My stomach's rumbling now after you just said that.
0: Fudge oh, brownie. God. Chocolate, to make some like nuts inside.
1: Dude, stop. <laughs> okay, back to Chavis.
0: Okay, back to Chavis. Anyways, Ma, go make some brownies. Ma, I need the fudge No. Michael Chavis is on P.D. I'm convinced of that, and I don't care. I love. these he, well could be. P.D.s are in baseball. I, they still are. They just tested for it more. I loved the '90s era. We grew up in it. That was so good for baseball. I miss Sammy Sosa bulging out of his Cubs uniform. I miss Mark McGuire wearing, looking like he was wearing like a, a crop-top tank top playing baseball because that was good. 99 All-Star game. Mark McGuire hitting moonshots over the Coke bottles in the, at Fenway Park.
1: Oh, I, I used to love Mark McGuire. He used to be one of my favorite players. It was my so,
0: go-to. Loved Mark McGuire. So I, I think it's good for the game. And look, maybe he's not on PDs and he's just as good – and I think there's some substance to that because we always talk about this. Like, did Barry Bonds need the PEDs and nobody wanted to be massive? Michael Chavis isn't, like, massive by any means. He has a lot of power behind him, so maybe he's not. I strongly believe he is, but that, either way, that's okay. I am more attracted and more turned on by the idea of having Devers, Chavis, Bogarts, and first baseman to be named later out of the system as a future infield with Ben Bogarts, JBJ, two of those three people out there long-term in the outfield, as your lineup moving forward, you figure out pitching when the time comes. Maybe you draft a couple prospects that hit on. Maybe you make a trade, or maybe you pick up a free agent to deal the time. You have some time with the pitching, in my eyes, because of signing David Price, Chris Sale, Nathan Evaldi, you have locked up.
1: So to conclude this segment, Jared thinks that Michael Chavis is on PEDs, and he loves fudge brownies. And also, we would both keep Michael Javis for the long term.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Beautiful. We're on the same page.
0: All right. Moving on. Um, Let's talk about our good old friend, Koji, Yihara. R.I.P.
1: Well, so here, Jared, let's uh, let's throw a little curveball here. Let's throw that Koji splitter here. So our fabulous producer, Liam, was actually the one that brought this to our attention. So I want to ask Liam when he thinks about, obviously, Koji retiring, and also what how he felt about Koji and what he meant to the city of Boston during their 2013 championship run.
2: Big Koji guy. He meant a lot to me. Uh, obviously, I brought him up as a topic. I thought you guys were about to skip right over it. But uh, no, I mean, what can you say about a solid guy out the bullpen who you can always rely on who uh, gets the job done and then, you know, gets that, uh, has that real sound clip, uh, which y'all will hear in a sec. He has that big out, you know, the World Series out. That's all you can ask for. I think of uh, my favorite would have been Papelbon when he got that final out and what? He jumped like 20 feet in the air. So Koji was that, he had that out. You know, that's why I'm always going to love him.
0: Let's play the out, right here. Let's play the out. We'll come back, and then I'm going to ask Al what his favorite Koji memory is. i didn't asking him this ahead of time, so that's going to be on the spot.
1: Oh, can't wait.
2: The VH is ready to celebrate. And so are these fans.
0: It hasn't happened at Fenway Park. For 95 years, the Red Sox are world champions. Oh, I get chills hearing that, coach uh,
1: Oh, it's beautiful.
0: It still doesn't beat Keith Folk just because it was breaking a curse.
1: Of course, 86 but, years. 86 yeah, years in the still, making.
0: That doesn't get old. Okay, Al, Koji Uihara, Koji time.
1: Koji time. So, to be honest, there's three that really stick out, but I'll make them very, very quick. There's three. Obviously, whenever Sandstorm came out, And hopefully, Liam can get a clip of Sandstorm in there to get the boys fired up. But whenever you heard Sandstorm coming in with the way Koji was throwing, you just knew the game was over. You knew it was over. You knew he was getting three quick outs, probably two strikeouts, and a dinky little ground ball. And the Red Sox were going to win any game that he came into. So that's number one. Number two, whenever he would jump into the arms of David Ortiz and he would literally carry Koji like a rag doll, that, that was an underrated but just so funny moment whenever those would happen. And then number three for me was the pickoff in game, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was game four. No, yes, game four of the World Series in 2013.
0: Ding, 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 you are correct.
1: Was it, it was game four, right? Yeah. That's what I thought, okay. Yeah, in game four of the World Series, getting a big pickoff, especially when the Red Sox were down two to one because of that dumb obstruction call in game three, which is another story for another day. I could rant for about an hour on that. But to get the series back to 2-2, to get the momentum back for the Red Sox and everything, Koji was that centerpiece. And even in the ALCS, he was just dominant. So it was great to see Koji dominant in that role.
0: Favorite Koji memory besides the out, because as you heard, you can't really beat that. His celebration in the locker room after winning the World Series. High fives all around. David Ortiz lifting him up. Him, like, smacking David Ortiz in the back. Koji Uehara was a free spirit, and he certainly pitched like it. That's for sure. Um, and his orange glove. Loved the orange glove. It was bright orange. You couldn't miss it. Um, and it was great. It, the bright orange glove was something to be lived for. But rest in peace, Koji, to the baseball gods. Not dead. Just retired. Um, may, you long, may you live long and prosper in the distance of uh, whatever you choose to do next. Good friend of the show coach you
1: yep Koji the Koji and david ross hug after winning it in FN way for the first time in 95 years it's just a moment that will never leave my memory it's just unforgettable
0: end scene last segment lost the red sox lost two out of three to the astros upcoming stretch we'll talk about in a second then we'll jump into the closing segment liam thrones minute i'm calling it See, Liam's just getting himself going, getting himself fired up. All right, first part of this segment. They just lost two out of three of the Houston Astros. Very well could have been swept. Do you care? Does it really matter? Does it reflect what this team is? Is it too early to read into one series with the Houston Astros? Al, go.
1: Nobody should be worried about the fact that the Red Sox lost two out of three of the Astros. When you really break it down, and our good friend Jared Karabas actually summed it up perfectly in his latest article on Barstool, it was only two bad innings that the Red Sox had. It was the it was in game 1 with Porcello. He pitched great. I think he gave up two or three runs. Red Sox lose 3 to 1. No offense showed up that night. And then the first inning in the second game when Hector Velasquez gives up 5 runs in the third of an inning. So you take away those two bad innings, the Red Sox are looking at a sweep. So then we're not talking about is it a big deal? The Red Sox lost. We're talking about are the Red Sox, once again, the team to beat in the American League. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Their pitching showed up for the most part. You got David Price back today, had a great win against the Blue Jays. So next time the Red Sox play the Astros, I wouldn't be too worried. And honestly, I can see a Red Sox at least two out of three, or three out of four, whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't really take it too much because, like you said, it really wasn't an entire bad series. It was too bad. I think that kind of changed the course of those two games. Um, luckily, the Red Sox won at the end of the series. So I'm not taking too much stock into them. You do have them again coming, coming up in the next week. So um, you'll get revenge potentially down in Houston. So, um, and, and that kind of leads to where I want to talk about here for a second. You have a tough upcoming schedule here. Um, you're playing four against Toronto right now. Today, you've thwomped them. One, first of all, didn't even realize it was an afternoon game playing it with like one o'clock on a Monday. Like why? What's the point of that? But either way, um, you win twelve to two. Everybody on your team has it hit um, multiple home runs. Four home runs total in the game for the Red Sox. It might as well have been it, might as well have been batting practice for this team. You had Bogart hitting two home runs. I think Jackie Bradley had two home runs too. So, or at least one. So y- you look at what this team did today. Now you have three more against Toronto. You should spank them. You should I wouldn't even be surprised if they swept just because that's what Toronto uh, looks like right uh, now.
1: I'll take three out of four against Toronto. They may have, have, have one two. game. They have I'm one game they have one game that everything goes right for them.
0: So but I'm still expecting a sweep there. And then it gets kind of fun a little bit. You play some legit teams and you go from the blue jays and you're going two in Houston or three in Houston, excuse me. And then you have three against Cleveland and then you play the Yankees, which is also a four game series. And then you sprinkle in Kansas City, and then you play Tampa again. So you have some games here leading into the first week of June that are going to really test this team out. And, and I, I'm glad this is coming now because we're at that point where they sucked at the beginning of the year. I think we all put that behind them. They're not that team anymore. Everyone can spew out stats and how they won such and such out of games, whatever. They're not that team anymore. But they just beat on some bad teams and then lost two out of three of the Astros. After this Toronto series, it's gut-checking time. You're playing... One of the hottest teams in baseball, again, in Houston. Then you got to play the Cleveland Indians, who are never really an easy out by any means. Good old friend Terry Francona. (laughs) Then you have to go play the old Bronx Bombers, who are in first place, mind you. Yep. They're in first place. Unfortunately. Uh, Unfortunately. They're losing to the Orioles right now, 6-1, to so that's fun. Uh,
1: Good.
0: As we record this on Monday. Good. Yankees are going to be a tough out, obviously. That's a four-game set, though, so you can make up some ground there in the division with four games against the Yankees. Then after that, you Kansas City. But then you play the Rays again, you could also make up more ground in the AL East. And you could honestly be sitting in second place by the end of the stretch, depending on how well you play. It's gut-checking time. And this is what – I'm excited for this. This is – as a Red Sox fan, you have Michael Chavis playing well. You have Chris Sale back. You have David Price back, pitched well. Put an asterisk next to it for now because he's always pitched well in Toronto. Like, actually, I think he's lost, like, once ever yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. So something about that play. So good, good start, but you have him back. Nathan Evaldi's throwing, but you have the team kind of in the lock right now. I very well expect this team to be in second place by the time this stretch of games is over Out,
1: Jared, are you paying attention right now?
0: Am I paying attention to you or Liam? Both of us. I'm paying attention to you. I'll pay attention to Liam in like five seconds.
1: Okay. I have a prediction for you. We need that breaking news music because this is going to be a doozy.
0: got breaking prediction news the boston red sox
1: are going to take two out of three from houston and then they're going to sweep the cleveland indians they're going to sweep cleveland cleveland is having the worst season that they've had in probably five or six years they're second in the al central right now they lose guys left and right Corey kluber i believe is on the shelf right now for them so don't be surprised if we see a little Red Sox sweep in Cleveland. Disclaimer, if it doesn't happen, I take it back.
0: That's not how this show works.
1: <laughs> I, know,
0: I know. We stand by our words, goddammit.
1: The Red Sox will sweep the Indians. There you
0: go. I was waiting for – they're going to be in first place prediction, so that's not as bull as I expected. Um, okay, either way, I- I'm thinking they're going to make up some ground in the week- next couple weeks. They're playing really well, um, and they've been playing really well since they started turning it around, so um, – <laughs> I very well expect it. So show summary. Michael Chavis is on PEDs. Keep him at the deadline. Chris Sale back. Toe injury. Fake news. Red Sox, don't worry about them losing to the Astros. Didn't matter. RIP Koji. Again, not dead. Just baseball. Retired.
1: And (laughs) now. And
0: now. The background behind this. Al and I don't even watch Game of Thrones.
2: Yeah, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't even know if I should come in recapping the episode, if I should just express my general feelings on the series as a whole. There's a whole of ways we can go here.
0: This is the
2: one. Everybody that I've talked to, and I'm glad I don't watch Yeah, Game let's see friends,
0: what you guys think
2: first, having <laughs>
0: seen it. This is from an outside looking in. Now, everyone at my office hated it, the ending. And said, and I even mentioned, I was like, hey, I might binge watch it. They're like, don't even bother. It's a waste. You'll waste all your time just to be let down at the end. And I'm not kidding. I was actually considering watching the entire series. Apparently, it was bad enough for someone to say that they now were upset that they even wasted their time. It was stupid. It shouldn't have ended the way they did, blah, 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 blah. This is why I want Liam to go off because apparently he feels the same way. Again, I'm not a Game of Thrones guy, but I felt like it affected enough people probably everyone listening to this show, that we should let Liam rant a little bit because he came in in to our pre-show meeting here in the room. He was fired up.
2: It's kind of like asking, like, what's up with this weather? Do you watch Thrones last night? It's a cultural thing now, and I'm super surprised you're (laughs) in on it. You haven't been following it, but props to you for avoiding uh, this cultural phenomena that is Game of Thrones. All I'm going to say is... It's not the same show we fell in love with. Seasons 1 through 5, it was this show that didn't give a fuck about anyone's feelings. It would take your favorite character, put them through all this terrible shit, show them a little bit of hope then it would kill them and their mother. It did not care about what anyone thinks. So now that everyone's getting so mad at the ending, just speaks to where TV's going. As soon as the fan base got too big and the writing started catering to what people wanted, it turned into this giant Marvel movie that looks good but has no substance. And it just ruined the show. So people that binge watched the first five seasons to get to the end, to get to 6, 7, and 8, they never loved the show in the first place. A little spin zone, I will say... Game of Thrones did not kill itself. The fan base killed Game of Thrones by getting way too large and expecting way too much of the show. Wow! The fan base ruined Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Liam
1: Smith's prediction.
2: I mean, we we're asking these showrunners to finish a book that's not even (coughs) completed. There are like two books left to write. And people are like, hey, we need an ending to this. These dudes just made up an ending for a book that's still being written. This guy can write the ending and undermine the whole show.
0: You know what I can't wait for? When the books, if they ever get finished, and then the ending's different, and then people are going to freak out about that ending, too.
2: I mean, that's what we asked for. We asked them to finish a show based on books that aren't done yet. That's what the fan base did, and now they're mad about what they got.
0: Tough ask. People Mm -hmm. People are hypocritical. Wow, shocker. Sh- shocker. People actually kind of suck sometimes. All right, we'll leave it there. Liam hates Game of Thrones ending. Michael Chavis is on PEDs. That's the really way you can sum up the entire episode in like five seconds. So <laughs> on Twitter at Into the Triangle Pod, uh, of course, on iTunes, right? Review and subscribe. It's on Spotify, com. All the good places. Go check us out. Coach Guy sports Sports Store. Get some merch. We'll support the network. A lot of good written content still going out by Big Al and others. So go out and read all the written content. That's what founded our podcast network was all the back of the written content, which is still being flamed out. Good stuff. Killing. So go and check out the website. Obviously every episode's there too. We'll be back next week. Have a couple guest prospects waiting to hear back. So next week is waiting to hear back. So we're well, finagling out the next couple weeks here. But until then, don't forget, big Al over there. Liam Smith behind the glass. The glass. glass. Actually hates Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's, That's true. It's here. We'll be back next week. Into the Travel Podcast here on Couch Guy Sports.
1: See you, guys.